So Edwin Encarnacion, um, he, the, the woman who has sued him for um, battery for giving her multiple STDs, apparently she first met him back in 2013. She had a um, relationship with one of his teammates, but um, she asserts that she was tested in December of 2015 for any STDs, and she was told that she didn't have any. Um, she Yay. then, yes, get tested, <laughs> listeners. Um, because when you have sex with a dirty baseball player, then you'll know it's his fault. <laughs> um, so this, the woman then went on a vacation with Edwin Encarnacion to Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic in February of 2016. Um, they uh, had sex there on multiple occasions, and then she started to feel, like, really not great. Apparently, he suggested to her that she had Zika because they went four-wheeling and swam in a river and must have caught some kind of um, disease there from swimming in dirty water, which, I mean, it's, it's something that happens. It's possible. Um, but anyway, she <laughs> then got herself tested because I guess she thought she might have Zika. Um, and it turns out, no, in fact, she had um, sexually transmitted diseases. And apparently, Encarnacion had insisted to her that he was not, uh, he was disease-free, okay. and then as she pushed him on this issue, I'm assuming saying, like, I couldn't have gotten this anywhere else but from you, mm-hmm. he backed off of his claims of um, not having any STDs. Um, so now she has sued him for battery misrepresentation of facts and is demanding $11.5 million oh, in damages. Wow. Now, the stories that I've read, um, exactly what STDs she acquired are not disclosed, I don't know that we need to have that level of detail. I'm just curious as to the number. I don't need to know what. I was just, because you it's, you mentioned it in the plural. Multiple. Okay. Doesn't. Oh, that's horrific. Yeah, it's real bad. <laughs> um, so Edwin's attorneys, I guess they have not had to um, respond yet. Um, hmm. But yikes. This is, yeah. Um, did you, uh, not to... Um, take focus away from the terrible thing that he did to this woman but uh did you pick him because he plays for the toronto blue jays uh no i think i needed whatever position he plays and he was like the top person that was left for Um, that okay yes um but toronto i think yeah that's the only canadian baseball team left mm -hmm. the expos will always be in my heart um but yeah he, he like i said he wasn't too bad um, do you do you still play fantasy baseball? I don't. Um, the league kind of fell apart um, for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. So um, I did win one season, which is oh, pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, we haven't. I don't think I've actually been in the league since I moved out to California. So it's been a while. Hmm. Um, it was before Edwin Encarnacion was just throwing STDs out <laughs> left and right. Um, but what I found which I remember now, like, from torts back in law school, is that giving someone a disease like this is, in fact, a battery, um, unwanted physical contact. Yes. So, um, yeah. Lingering effects. So it certainly seems like this. the woman is asserting that he clearly knew he had this all along and should have given her a heads, at least not actively lied to her, mm-hmm. saying that he did not have any STDs. Um, so I would think he would just want to settle this and not have the embarrassing, uh, details of his private life, uh, any further publicized than they already have been. Um, but who knows? He might just think he's right and let this play out in the public. 
in which case we will continue to keep you updated on this soap opera. Um, yeah, soap opera, no kidding. Um, I, and I think the last story that we really wanted to talk about in depth is Gawker, because I know this is near and dear to your heart. Right. Uh, so Gawker um, was a news source that, you know, was kind of, it was pretty edgy. They were writing, they took pride in writing stories that, um, you know, other people wouldn't. Um, Under the Gawker media umbrella is also Deadspin, which I think we, um, at least I look at pretty frequently. And They um, do have really excellent short articles with links to actual documentation, which is the easiest way instead of having to go through, like, a court's docket to find a complaint, you could usually find a link to it on Deadspin, which I appreciate. Deadspin's pretty great about um, linking to, yeah, the actual court documents. They also have um, Jezebel, and I think Valleywag was under their um, umbrella for a little while, which is where this whole sorted saga started so back oh god probably 10 years ago um the gawker tech blog um posted that peter Thiel, who is one of the initial investors in facebook you may recall his appearance fictionalized in the movie the social network um that peter Thiel was gay and peter Thiel, although i understand i believe he said he was out to his close family and friends wasn't kind of publicly out, out. Mm-hmm. um and based on his uh at least his beliefs and they may be uh, well-founded that um, Silicon Valley tech bros wouldn't really embrace um, a gay person. He was really upset about this, felt it was a significant well, invasion of privacy, yes, which it, it is because it's a, it's a choice that you should be able to make and not have forced upon you. And I think it was, beside, you know, the invasion of privacy piece certainly would, I think, matter regardless of who he was and where he worked. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there was some concern that his business would be negatively affected by this news being released. Um, so, this began a 10-year quest of Peter Thiel's to take down Gawker and its founder, Nick Denton. Um, the, his, his in to really get at them came when they published um, Hulk Hogan's uh, surreptitiously filmed sexual encounter with his best friend's wife, um, which I guess the argument, part of the argument was he knew he was being taped because it was his best friend's house and there were security cameras all over the place, but that's not really what we're here to talk about today. Um, there is a significant, huge lawsuit down in Florida that Gawker ultimately lost to the tune of at least $100 million, I think was yeah, the verdict. It was an insane amount of money. Um, and because the judge in Florida would not stay the judgment pending the appeal, which allows um, uh, Hulk Hogan to go after all of Gawker's assets, um, the Gawker was forced into bankruptcy. I think there is a belief, not just by Gawker, but by um, a number of legal experts, that they may actually win this appeal, but at this point it's kind of too late. They have um, filed for bankruptcy. The assets of the company have been sold to Univision. Um, Gawker.com is going to shut down. Um, It sounded like Univision was focused on their six other blogs, including Deadspin and Jezebel. Um, and it's not clear what they're going to do with them at this point. Those websites are still up and running. Um, but the reason the Peter Thiel involvement is that Peter Thiel was funding Hulk Hogan and his lawyers um, sort of in the background. And once um, Hulk Hogan won the judgment against Gawker, Peter Thiel came out and said that this was all part of his, like, master plan <laughs> yes, to his Machiavellian. destroy Gawker. Um, 
subsequently, Nick Denton, the um, founder of Gawker, has had to file for bankruptcy. AJ Delario, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, who I believe was, used to be the head of Deadspin. He's since gone off um, to work somewhere else. Uh, but he, uh, I think, may have been the editor on the Hulk Hogan story. Um, he's now in deep personal financial trouble because he was sued as an individual um, and the way that they structured the claims, it was such that Gawker's insurance wouldn't cover them. So it was kind of set up to have the most um, detrimental financial impact on this company that they could. Um, but since I used to be a bankruptcy lawyer, I've been following this with some interest. Um, the, you know, the way that the whole bankruptcy sale process works, that it sounds like they came into court knowing that they were going to get a certain sale price um, and, you know, give an opportunity for um, the, kind of the rest of the world to submit bids. And if they're higher, mm -hmm. um, then you beat out the, usually they call them the stocking horse bidder. Um, and, uh, yeah, it seems like it's gone pretty quickly, which is typical and corporate bankruptcies, I mean, this is sort of the same with personal bankruptcies, but it's a little less dramatic. You want to kind of walk into court with a plan for how you're going to get out, because um, otherwise the case can just go on and on and kind of spiral out of control. And uh, what's really screwed up about the bankruptcy system is that uh, lawyers get paid an obscene amount of money to, um, file, you know, to, I guess, manage a bankruptcy case. Um, so, like, there are companies and people that are, so poor they can't even file for bankruptcy because they cannot afford legal assistance to get them through the case. Mm -hmm. um, but it should be... Is it always the, the party filing for bankruptcy that's on the hook for legal fees? Of Because in my, my limited bankruptcy experience, which is, um, you know, public sector bankruptcy, uh, the cities or counties or whoever in California who have filed for bankruptcy did have to pay the attorney's fees for some of the groups that were um, that were impacted by by the municipality filing for bankruptcy. That's true. It's kind of crazy. The way that the system is set up is you've got the debtor entity, which is the entity that files for bankruptcy. So in this case, Gawker Media. Um, then the government through the United States trustee will appoint a, a committee of unsecured creditors who are kind of um, basically a group of people that you owe money to who don't have the benefit of having like a secured interest in any of your assets. They can just say, I'm taking this and I'm going to sell it to get my money back. Um, and they participate in the case looking out for the interests of creditors. Mm -hmm. You do have to pay for their, um, their lawyers. And then in some cases, the government will set up even more committees. Like I think a big issue in some of the municipal bankruptcies were retirees. Yes. Um, so those folks are not represented by um, people who are representing current employees, but the cities or company, because it's um, mm -hmm. in some of these big corporate bankruptcies, they have a bunch of retirees and um, some of the assets that are an issue are pensions. Mm -hmm. um, so they'll set up a retiree committee and you have to pay for their lawyers yeah. too. Uh, basically the debtor's on the hook to pay for the lawyers of any statutory committee that's established. Um, it's which, rough. It's so expensive. It's crazy. Um, if you ever want to be really offended, you should just go on like a bankruptcy docket and check out the fee applications. And it's, it's obscene. Um, I say somebody who used to do this for a living yeah, and it's the party that is the least able to afford to pay these fees. Right. But, I mean, the idea is that you don't necessarily, you're not, you don't come out of bankruptcy being 
no longer existing, although that does happen. I mean, it's really about restructuring your debt and trying to see if you can continue to carry on either as a corporate entity or a a municipality, right? Right. Um, Is there a particular reason why the judgment wasn't stayed pending appeal? It's not clear. Um, I did read the transcript where Gawker's lawyers were like, well, you know, can you stay it pending, you know, pending the whole appeal? And the judge was like, no. And then they said, well, can you stay it pending our appeal up to the next level of court to mm-hmm. get them to take some action? Yeah. And so it would only be like a week. Um, and the court's like, no. And then I think they asked for something else. And the judge said, I think we've been through this and we've exhausted oh. your options. So it's not clear to me why... Um, the judge was so hostile towards the idea of a state pending appeal. What I've seen in, I don't know how this works in Florida state courts, but in bankruptcy court, for example, if you want to stay to the whole resolution of the bankruptcy case, um, when you're reorganizing is referred to as a plan of reorganization and the court will, (laughs) the court will confirm the plan using what's called a confirmation order And the confirmation order, it doesn't go effective for two weeks usually, so you um, kind of have to wait to take the actions that you're supposed to take to get out of bankruptcy for a couple weeks to give people an opportunity to appeal. If that um, appeal is going to take longer, you normally have to post a bond um, that in a lot of cases is uh, equal to, like, the amount of all the money that you're supposed to be paying out to your creditors. Um, which is, you know, can be millions and millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the creditors don't have the money to put up the bond. So um, in that case, the court would deny the state pending appeal because, you know, the, the idea is, listen, if you want to appeal this, that's fine, but you mm-hmm. have to put up some money to protect the people who are going to be harmed by having to wait for this wait order for this. to take effect. Oh, that makes sense doesn't appear that that type of conversation ever took place here. So, you know, what could have been is that the judge, um, I guess one reasonable um, thing that might have happened is the judge said, we've got to post a bond for however many millions of dollars. And they, and they couldn't do it because they're completely out of money since they haven't been able to access their insurance for any of this. Um, but, yeah, the judge did not seem particularly sympathetic to their arguments. Does the litigation stay apply in corporate bankruptcy private sector okay so that um what jen's referring to is it's called the automatic stay section 362 of the (laughs) bankruptcy code um and basically when you file for bankruptcy people who have been suing you all the litigation stops um it's you know and it's held in a bill yes um until uh the bankruptcy case is resolved or if you, you could apply to the bankruptcy court to have the stay lifted um Excuse me, that only happens in really rare circumstances where you're dealing with um, kind of emergency type issues, but they apply, that applies in every bankruptcy case, personal, corporate, mm-hmm. municipal. Um, it's, it might be kind of limited differently depending on the type of case, but in general. Um, so that, I think, is part of the reason that kind of drove Gawker into bankruptcy was because, because they had to pay they had to start giving Hulk Hogan access to their assets, mm-hmm. um, and they didn't have enough assets to pay him. So they filed for bankruptcy, probably, although I have not looked into this, and I haven't looked at the pleadings in the case, um, he'll probably only get paid cents on the dollar now, because that's what happens when you file for yeah. bankruptcy. And it's not just Hulk Hogan, but it's any of their creditors. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they're the guys who supply them with their IT equipment or, you know, yeah. the people who deliver their office supplies. 
Um, and it's, you know, it's the little guys who get hurt, which I'm sure any of you who are following the current presidential campaign have heard a lot about that since Donald Trump operated his casinos such that he would just file for bankruptcy and not pay all the small businesses who had, who had done work yeah, for so him. Who were contractors and subcontractors on his project. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I have very, very, very little sympathy for um, Hulk Hogan um, and the fact that I mean, he was essentially a pawn in a much larger game. I understand that. But in the whole thing, it's just, it's so despicable. It's, and then I think it was later it came out that he used the N-word to refer to his daughter's boyfriend. Oh, yeah. And then he got mad that they, I'm not laughing at his racism, to be very clear. I'm laughing at his ridiculousness. Um, he got pissed off that that became public, and I believe Gawker may have been the entity to publish those <laughs> stories. But it's like, dude, you're behaving like an asshole in public or sort of public. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you, you know, what do you expect is going to happen? Particularly where you, you know, you're yeah. going after a um, media source. Yes. So do you think they're going to lay off of you now, especially when you're running around using racist terms? Yeah. It's horrifying behavior. So, you know, if you're, I don't know, if you're going to be a total monster, um, maybe you should be careful to not make uh, angry entities that could publicize your monstrousness. <laughs> or just keep your horrific, racist, misogynistic statements Right. In the privacy of your own home. Yeah, if you're going to have sex with your best friend's wife, do it in your own house, not his. Yes, or at a motel where you know you're not being filmed or something. Just but like There's a lot of different <laughs> things that he probably could have done that would not have resulted in this, but um, I don't know. Do you think, are you enough of a conspiracy theory person to think that this was, like, that part of it was set up to, or just that Peter Thiel, Thiel, like, found the right case at the right moment, and that's how? I think the latter. I think, you know, and I believe Peter Thiel has, more so maybe in recent years, but for quite some time, he's been a pretty big privacy advocate, which is fascinating to me that he was an early investor in Facebook and at least based on the social network, uh, Mark Zuckerberg doesn't believe in privacy, so that seems like a weird way for him to be making mm-hmm. money. But whatever. Um, but yeah, I think I think he just has enough money. You know, Peter Thiel's a billionaire. I think he's been, he was lying in wait to see, but, waiting for Gawker to screw something up. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, not that I necessarily think they did here, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, he. And he has enough that, you know, he's got enough money that he can wait them out and fight them, which, you know, I fundamentally believe that our court system is a, a solid system. But the fact that you can, you know, it's so um, weighted in favor of rich people is, I mean, like a lot of things in our society, I guess. But here, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter whether he really should have won under the law. They had enough money to swamp Gawker and yeah. that's what they did. So, mm-hmm. um, that's the rough part. It's yeah. I mean, the merits is one thing, but if you're just doing my favorite, my favorite term opposite of distraction is strategy to, <laughs> um, basically, you know, put someone on their back heels and just be like, I'm just going to cry uncle cause I can't, I can't do this anymore is, is another thing. But. Yeah, and, you know, interference with, 
the the free press is disturbing to me. I don't feel like rich people should get to tell the news what they are supposed to report. There are a lot of issues with the mainstream media in this country, so we could do multiple podcasts just on that. But, you know, the idea that somebody writes a story about you that you don't like and you can crush them Mm -hmm. um, just is Because you have more resources, not because you're actually... Not because you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is alarming. But um, I don't think this is the last we're going to hear from Peter Thiel in terms of his um, wanting to kind of manipulate the media. Um, he certainly has come out, I think, more publicly with some of his uh, he has some pretty interesting theories about, like, setting up floating barges that are, like, sea. What do they call them? I don't know. It's sea something, but it's basically you're on a ship in the middle of the ocean and there's no, like, you set up your own government. Oh, that's right, because there's no laws that apply to you out there. He also, I guess, thinks that if he gets transfused with the blood of younger people, um, it will stop him from He doesn't believe in death. He doesn't think death is inevitable. Um, So he uh, thinks that if he gets transfused with the blood of young people, he'll stay young and won't die, which... I think is the plot part of the plot of the books and the TV show The Strain. Oh well, I where was, a I, permanent knight takes over New York City. So I, I don't know. This is uh, oh frightening road we're okay. walking down with Peter Thiel. Um, but if he has some money, he would like to give to us to fund our <laughs> podcast. We'll stop saying mean things about him. So. <laughs> Please don't sue us. <laughs> like that was not an extortion attempt. No. <laughs> Let's be clear. Um, so I think that's pretty much our hot takes for the week. I mean, there's been other stuff going on, but, um, you know, we would either be here for days and we talked about everything, so we try to pare things down. But, you know, it was, like, just keeping it a variety today. I don't think Johnny Manziel's done anything recently that we want to talk about. I don't think so, although I think there was um, – I had heard some rumblings that there was interest in him coming up to the CFL. Okay. Yeah, but uh, that was, I think that's all I had heard. I, I don't know that there's any one particular team that was interested in him, and certainly the investigation um, into his behavior um, by the NFL has not uh, has not finished. I'm sorry. I do investigations <laughs> as part of my job sometimes, and if I had as much time as they did to do these investigations, I'd be so happy. But no, we have clients who... Like want. want things to get done <laughs> exactly. in a reasonable amount of time. In a timely manner. So, anyways. Um, apparently, this just broke about an hour ago. Um, Tony Romo <laughs> is out with a broken back. <gasps> oh, it was the hit at the Seahawks game? I guess so. It's not... It's So the story says that he has a broken bone in his back. He's going to miss six to ten weeks. Does he need surgery again? Because this is, what, his second or third back surgery in recent memory? Yeah, it just says that um, he had an MRI on Friday, and the Cowboys confirmed the broken back diagnosis today. Um, Jason Garrett says that he might be back in time for the opening game because he's played with the fracture in his back before. Um, at some point, you just probably want to say to yourself, is, like, paralyzing myself worth the worth it? Um, I'm not saying that the break in his back would result in that, but I'm sure whatever would happen if you aggravated the injury further is probably pretty bad. Um, and they're suggesting that Dak Prescott, the um, 
Cowboys rookie will become their new starting quarterback. But if Johnny had gotten himself together during the offseason, it could have been, been his job. Um, oh, there was um, – we were talking a little bit about um, – is it – I want to say Ezekiel Elliott. Yes, he's opening up his own weed dispensary. But uh, recently, uh, um, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones made some not-so-great comments about uh, the judgment of one of his football players who was, like – uh, filmed at a dispensary, but there was no, like, in the in the clip that I saw, there was no, like, there were no purchases being made, or, like, the individual wasn't smoking any weed or anything. I mean, he was literally just walking around a store. Um, and, you know, and Jerry Jones was like, oh, you know, he has questionable judgment. And, yeah, and understandably, the player involved in the video has had some issues, um, which brings his judgment into question. But I think Jerry Jones is the last person who should be making pronouncements about someone's judgment. He hugged Chris Christie. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not even that, but it's like the Greg Hardy stuff. It's all. <laughs> right. And he, I mean, they were apparently quite interested in Johnny Manziel yeah. until, you know, Johnny Manziel's dad came out and called him a junkie and Johnny Manziel was like threatening to kill himself. So, you know, uh, yeah, Greg, uh, excuse me, Jerry Jones, is quite clearly somebody who will do whatever he feels like he needs to to make his team better, regardless of the a regardless if it's actually going to make his team better, since they're still pretty terrible, um, or kind of the personal uh, yeah. outside the field sort of issues that may come along with that. So um, um, yeah, it's a, it's a valid point. People who live in uh, houses of bad judgment shouldn't. <laughs> judge others um well we hope you get better soon tony romo i mean neither of us are fans of the cowboys um in fact i really dislike america's team um for a variety of reasons mostly because i grew up as a 49ers fan um and my husband is a new york giants fan um but and jerry jones's whole like reign at the cowboys is just it's just laughable anyways um so i think that's it for us this week we are going to be on a break for a little bit but hopefully you will be able to listen to our catalog on iTunes and on our website very, very soon. And we will, um, we're really excited about our launch. Um, so we will check back in a couple weeks. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>